Hello, hello, hello. I am your cat, Cora, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to look. Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara especially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most is Munoz. And happy first day of fall, y'all. Break out the pumpkin spice lattes and, like, the chunky, like, scarves. And soon it will be sweater weather. I, um, it's one of my favorite sayings, sweater weather. It just, like, really rolls off the tongue deliciously. <laughs> How are you all doing out there? Oh my goodness, what a journey. We've we just had the Met Gala. We just had the Emmys. Um, what else? RuPaul is the most awarded black person in history now. Um, big gay news. Uh, talk, talking about uh this day in gay history. Uh, hello, and we're not even there yet. So many great things happening. I just had the most delicious meal at Benoit here in New York City. It's an Elaine Ducasse restaurant. Um, just very traditional, very French, you know, very, very expensive and very delicious. What else can I tell you? I think that's pretty much it, y'all. The, uh, you know, we're you know, just trucking along and like steamrolling to the holidays. And I know y'all out there hate that I, I keep reminding you. But I mean, think about it. We blinked and it's it's fall. It's already September. And I feel like New Year's day was just like last week. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that I'm getting older and and so I'm used to time. And so that way time goes faster because we're used to it. Is that a thing? I don't know. I just thought of that. Think about that. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going, but you know what I am doing today? 
I have yet another delicious gay liberty with me, a celesbian, if you will, right? Because we know I love that term, celesbian. And I am just so excited to have her here with me, especially after a week with no guest, which is really fun, too. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Alex Kunis. Say hi. Hi. Uh, I prefer daikon. Um, oh, <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> Not to be confused with yeah. the Japanese root vegetable, yeah. daikon. Daikon. <laughs> I identify as a daikon. You know what? I love it. Well, Court Rada, do you know who Court Rada is? No. Right? Other food liberty, <laughs> um, been on Food Network. Uh, she introduced me to the word celesbian, and now you have... Introduce me to the word daikon. Yeah. Uh, the first time I heard that word, it was actually referring to peppermint patty. So that's why I think I, I love it. Because I'm like, yes, as in like the peanuts peppermint patty? Level. Yeah, I want to be on the same level as peppermint patty. Well, pepper, peppermint patty was a badass bitch, honey. Yeah. Yeah. She, and she was. Yeah, classic gay icon, a daikon. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. I live for it. I'm here for it. All the things. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Um, I'm really good. We just had a big hurricane down here. Um, I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, and yeah, we're all just sort of getting back to normal, which is really nice. Well, I'm glad to have you, A, here with me on the pod, connecting with me, right? Thank you for your time. I'll say it a million more times oh throughout gosh, the well, podcast. <laughs> I'm also... Very, very happy and glad that you are safe, that you have power, that you are in your home in Louisiana, because in your mouth, listeners, as you know, for the past couple of weeks, I've been talking about the devastation down there in Louisiana. Um, did you know Denny's has a mobile relief like diner that they sent down yeah, there? Yeah, somebody was actually telling me that just yesterday, like Denny's, who knew, you know? Yeah. Like, just right behind uh, Chef Jose Andres with One World Kitchen. Denny's yeah. has, like, this, like, mass attractive trailer, like, just feeding thousands of people pancakes, bacon, and coffee. This community has, like, on an impressive level to me, really come together. You know, in the aftermath of all this, a lot of the local businesses have been um, doing pay-what-you-can coffee and meals. And, and they're really giving away a lot of food, you know, to this community for free. Um, so I think they really, they're, the, the way this community comes together really has been beautiful and amazing. They say, you know, you look at a travesty and you can see the worst and the best in people. Um, and, and that's it, definitely been true. And, and, it, and it looks like you're seeing a lot of the best around yeah, you. Yeah, mostly the best. Yeah, not Mostly the, the best, which is what we yeah. would hope for, you know, even yeah. after the pandemic. Hello, we're seeing mostly the best, but we're seeing a lot of the worst these days, you know. <laughs> but before we get anywhere, because we're already off the rails, as we do, <laughs> I need to wish you, in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, Alex, I need to wish you happy National Ice Cream Cone Day. Yeah, I love ice cream cones. Yeah. Are you a waffle cone or a sugar cone kind Definitely of gal? Definitely a waffle cone. Definitely a waffle cone kind of a gal. Yeah. If I'm gonna get the if I'm gonna get the cone, which I probably wouldn't because I feel like cones give me too much anxiety about the ice cream melting onto my hand. I'd rather just skip skip all that and get the cup. Well, you know what? You you have to follow the footsteps in 
in the kitty cup of it all and turn that cone yeah, upside, upside down. down. And then you have the best of the both worlds because, so you know, yeah, it's a real treat yourself moment. And mm-hmm. although, you know what I haven't had this summer, actually? Ice cream. You haven't Not- had any ice cream this summer? No, I don't think oh so. I, I actually haven't had ice cream since January now. So my, <laughs> I, don't, I don't eat a lot of dairy. The listeners know, all right? She, is, she doesn't do well with the lactose. But um, Van Leeuwen, I'm sure you know it, um, Van Leeuwen ice cream makes some of the best vegan ice cream I have ever had in my life. Um, mm, that's true. And I don't really fuck with lactose either. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you, you can. <laughs> yep. Fuck it up. <laughs> Listen, Alex, this is our space to do what we want. Okay? So let's... This is our queer safe space, and in, the, in there we swear. Yep, absolutely, right? So, so sign up or sign out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love Van and ice cream. And um, actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was working my way through the Van Leeuwen cookbook, the, the dairy and the dairy-free recipes, trying to recreate their ice cream except with weed in it. Uh, oh, okay. Come through, edible ice cream. <laughs> I mean, I have an entire weed cookbook here called the... You just reminded me. I'm looking at it. The 420 Gourmet that friends brought back to me from Alaska uh, years ago. I've never cooked out of it. You know, I do enjoy an edible now that it's legal here in New York City. Um, But it's just like a gummy and it's like every so often, you know? Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, what's, What's the edible ice cream experience like? The well, most of my edibles that I've made over the years are really strong. I feel like I tend to make them for people who are either like really strong, like heavy smokers and are trying to smoke less, or people with chronic pain. Um, so my edibles are my edibles are pretty intense. Uh, they will get you. I would compare like eating an entire. I use most of my things are about a hundred to two hundred milligrams a piece, like a moon pie or the ice cream or anything and i would say if you eat the whole thing then you're it's probably the same as like uh, microdosing mushrooms for a couple hours it's wow like pretty strong wow wow something else i've never done microdosing mushrooms right well, someone was supposed should. to take me on that journey this summer too <laughs> and that just fell through because she is what a working girl <laughs> <laughs> just been yeah. so busy but listen, I am here. I am here for an ice cream moment and an ice cream cone moment. Favorite flavor? My favorite flavor of ice cream, probably coffee. <gasps> yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what? Before I became an avid coffee drinker, a.k.a. a huge coffee snob, I, um, the only way I would ingest coffee was via ice cream. Oh, yeah. Cute. Right? I could see that. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. I I try not, I try to stay away from coffee and only drink green tea. And the only time I really get to enjoy that coffee taste is in ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, no matter no matter if you're a waffle cone, a sugar cone, or a traffic cone, 
We celebrate you today on this National Ice Cream Cone Day. And moving right along into this day in gay history, Alex, did you know that in 2002 in Switzerland, voters in the canton of Zurich vote 63% to 37% to give same-sex couples the same legal rights as married opposite-sex couples. This includes tax, inheritance, and social security benefits. These rights are only given to same-sex couples who live in Zurich Canton and who register with the government, promising to live together and support each other for at least six months. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Is it, I mean, is it only the gay people that need to stay together for at least six months or everybody? I mean, uh, I, I, I would assume. That's asking everybody. a lot from us in gay years. That's like five. That's a five year relationship. Yeah, absolutely. But like if you put a ring on it and walk down the aisle, I mean, like <laughs> what's six more months, right? It took a lot to get to that point as is. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Uh, I would say, and I mean, to live at Zurich Canton, I'm sure it's stunning, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm a single lady. I don't know about you. <laughs> but like. I am single, yeah. All right. So we are both taking applications. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, would, I guess I would describe myself more as like, uh, I'm solo poly now. Solo poly. Um, so I'm dating, but my primary partner is myself. Oh, Okay. You know what? Uh, you know what? That's what it's been for me for like a very <laughs> long time too. So if I can, if I can ride on those coattails with you, like in the in the most positive of ways, in like yeah. you know, <laughs> and respectful yeah. ways, um, yeah, like I'm here for that too. You know, um, but like I think it's time for somebody in my life. I just that person just hasn't come along and swept me away just yet. You know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to find yeah, them. Uh, you know, especially gay life in, like, big cities, big gay cities here where the options are endless, you know? So uh, I'm, I'm personally, I have no pity on you for that one. I'm very jealous. My best friend is a gay man, and he's living in the West Village, and I just feel like he's on Grinder, and he can just, you know, go have, like, sex with a different man every night. Well, like, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, of that. course you can do you can do that. Listen, there's that out there's there's that app out there for the ladies. There's that app out there for the poly non monogamous. Show me a grinder that's for the queers, and I would be so impressed because I don't think anyone else gets a grinder. Uh, field, field. Have you discovered field? I have Ever. discovered field. Field, I feel like, is only kind of a functional thing in like really, yeah, like New York or LA. And other, I feel like everywhere else I've gone, there's like five people on field, you know, in any given city. Yeah. So we, we have to build up field, I feel like, for it to be as effective yeah, well, as Well, I have friends who use it. I personally don't use it. And um, I hear it's a trash app, but shout out to field for doing the work for the people who want that you know but uh, it was much I feel more like... fun oh i'm sorry Andrew. it was much yeah, more yeah, fun yeah. Than Tinder. yes thrinder right but then tinder i think took them, tinder to court. them yeah for whatever we are again <laughs> off the rails but like sex is different <laughs> than love here right i'm looking for like you know looking for love in all the wrong places <laughs> you know <laughs> 
Like, Grindr's good, like, uh, to get it in, for sure. But, like, those people don't stay around, honey, or rarely stay around. <laughs> so, like, you know, can someone cook for me for once, for crying out loud? Wow. <laughs> in Zurich, Canton? <laughs> yeah, just, just take me to Zurich, Canton. For reals. Anyways, um, you know what? Just moving right along because I want to get to the getting on because we are already having so much fun. But if you didn't know in your mouth, listeners, and you probably already do, Alex Kunis has been hailed as a badass lesbian chef by many a publication. She is also an entrepreneur and community organizer known for her time at some of New York's best restaurants like Jean George's and the Breslin, as well as her own burger stand in Brooklyn, Hungry Bessie. Oh my gosh, look at <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm so impressed. <laughs> Hello. Um, that's uh, this, this part of your bio is thanks to uh, th- the Thanks for Coming Out podcast because they really got you good right there. And yeah. now, <laughs> although living in New Orleans and work in, working as a pitmaster since the pandemic, Alex made her mark as the chef and creator of Babe Town, a pop-up supper club for queer women, trans, and non-binary people that met in private homes. She now continues that legacy with Queer Baiting, a monthly fishing event for queer folks. <laughs> well, I feel like queer baiting is so um, is like such like a different thing. Uh, you know, Babe Town was like ticketed and there was a meal associated with it. Queer baiting, like there's no tickets. You just show up, you know, it's not for profit. Um, and we just kind of like hang out and fish. Um, and it's very, very laid back. It's outside, um, which I think makes it a little bit more pandemic friendly. Uh, yeah, than, of course. You know, I've right never here. understood fishing. I've just, <laughs> I never understood it. Do you catch? Are, are you a catch and release or a catch and eat? We kind of, you kind of have to catch and release at the queer group. I'm not going to lie, because like people, you know, you catch a fish and everyone starts crying. They're like, ah! <laughs> so you have to throw it back. But this <laughs> is what I don't myself. understand about it, because now you've hurt this poor fish. Now there's, a, there's a hole in its mouth, and then you were like, here, figure it out. Go back to the ocean. <laughs> I actually at the last queer baiting, uh, which was last night, um, this one girl accidentally like hooked this like turtle. And everyone was losing it. Like, it was like a horror film. Everyone's like, ah! Because <laughs> you can't just, like, reel the turtle up. You'll hurt it. You'll, like, rip its jaw off, basically. You'll really hurt it. So we're, like, people are, like, Googling, like, how to get this turtle off of the line. And they're, like, trying to kind of, like, walk it over to, a, like, they're, like, throwing the, the rod. Like, they're trying to get it, off, like, over the pier, to like this area where maybe someone could walk out into the water and unhook it from the turtle's mouth, but yeah, shit definitely can go awry. Um, when I'm by this myself, sounds traumatic. It was traumatic for everyone, especially uh, the turtle. <laughs> um, but what was I going to say? Oh yeah, but when I'm by myself, I do keep the fish and I cook the fish, and you know, I you know, it's fish is expensive, so. I yeah, feel like and, and fish is delicious. And fish is delicious. Yeah. Listen, fish is as delicious. a as a as a carnivore, as a meat eater, as a fish eater, I eat everything. It's kind of, I guess, it's kind of my job to eat everything, even though I have been like lured to the vegan side many a time. Um, <laughs> you know, I I I definitely am here for like the sustainability of it all, and like trying my best to like you know, have, like, a good, like, carbon footprint and cycle, even though it's very expensive 
if right. you were trying to do it that way. But, um, you know, I just don't want to to be part of the the catch of it all or the yeah, murder just, of yeah, it all. Yeah, just the kill the fish. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. Actually, most people don't fish. I'd say out of like the 15 people that came yesterday, three people brought fishing rods. And a lot of other people brought snacks and grills and just sort of hung out. I think most people, the events I throw are for people who are looking for more queer friends. And um, that's what people really come for is to make friends. Everybody wants more gay friends. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Same here. You know, I mean, I have my tight circle, which uh, which I'm really good. But like sometimes like everyone's out of town and like there's no one to call. But what really interested me about you and this is where you and I meet at the crossroads and why I slid into your DMs respectfully (laughs) um, was that a long time ago, I used to throw uh, an event called Big Gay Thanksgiving because after my parents divorced, right? We went from, like, big family Thanksgivings to, like, three of us, two of us, you know? And so I would gather uh, a group of 13 to 18 of my gay friends, but, like, from all different walks of life, you know? And then somebody that I would call the humdinger, which was somebody, (laughs) which was a stranger, basically a stranger to all, somebody that maybe I hooked up with or somebody I met out the bar or, you know, that didn't know anybody to throw at the table, and then the stipulation was I cooked everything and you brought all the booze. And oh, yeah, yeah. Same, yeah, and same yeah. So it was, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, how have we never met? How did we not ever cross paths, right? Even though mine was in a ticket event, ticketed event, and mine was a little bit more personal than what you were doing. But, like, you know, we're connected in that way. And why do you think, why do you think that's, so necessary for us as a community um yeah that is that sounds like a very cool event um and it's you know definitely thanksgiving in particular but all of the holiday babe towns we did we did you know like babe town christmas and uh you know babe town Purim and all these things um and i think you know those really took on sort of an extra importance for a lot of the people there because you know a lot of queer people we don't get to go home to our families for those holidays and kind of have those positive memories you know a lot of us are um really reliant on our chosen family to kind of be the the family um in our lives um, and so I think that, you know, things like Thanksgiving and holidays, you know, they can be a very sad time for a lot of people. But I think if we're coming together as a community, uh, it can be a really happy time. Um, and so I definitely think spaces like that are extra important. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish I wish more spaces like that existed for us. You know, this mm-hmm. podcast has afforded me a large web of beautiful queer food people. And... <laughs> I actually just met Chef John Jonathan Kung the other night for a drink. He's in New York City, and he'll soon be on the pod. But um, he was so interesting. And, you know, we just met because we're kind of connected through the Internet, much like you and I are now. And he goes, he was, he was so curious about not only what I was doing, but why, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, and what's next, actually? Because I was like, I, I'm driving this train here, Alex, right? And now yeah. you're on board you're on board this train and we're all doing similar things in different ways, you know, kind of trying to embrace our community and trying to, you know, 
be representative of our communities in very specific ways. And I'm like, well, why aren't we all just together in a space in different, but yet again, in different spaces and like doing the thing, you know, because we could be a superpower. What, what's that like Marvel superheroes, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the League of Justice, like League of Justice. We, we could be the League of Justice of food. <laughs> Well, you know, people have been writing to me from New York and been like, oh, you know, what if I were to start, you know, a ver- would you be offended if I were to start a version of Babe Town that's just like exactly like it, but with a different name? And I always say to people, not at all. Like, I think everybody should, there should be more queer spaces. There should be 5,000 times more queer spaces. I think everyone should have a queer space. I think everyone should throw a queer dinner party in their house. Um and sometimes I'm like, what I, what I wish I could do is just like write like a little 10 page, like little zine, just like how to throw a queer dinner party. Rules for throwing a great queer dinner party every single time. And well, like it's fu- out the world so that everyone can just go do it themselves. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because um, th- many a person on this pod, uh, um, like maybe was it Michael Twitty or whom was it? Somebody else on this pod was ta- oh uh justin burke was it justin burke um or well, i'm like 180 some odd episodes in so i i uh, <laughs> the, i can't remember all of it but w- yes it's all a blur but if you look at some old cookbooks like really old cookbooks there's a whole like the gay the gay dinner party of it all and like mm-hmm. um there's all this uh historical like um, uh, uh, rhetoric out there about like lesbian potluck dinners from like yeah. the 60s and 50s and and there's like how to do it you know and there's yeah. those guides oh. exist from way back when going back to the gay history at, <laughs> of it I'm all gonna, yeah, go, let me go google let me go look it up yeah it's a thing it's a thing and it's a thing that that has been here in your mouth listeners that is still here in your mouth listeners in very many different forms now, right? Whether it just be queer, queer baiting that you're doing. Cause you just said somebody brought a grill and people are, people are doing the things and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's, and at the end of the day, it's all about community and food has always been about community. You know, where did you, where did you start? Where did like this love of cooking come from? Because I mean, the love of cooking and like your journey has been epic. Hello, Jean Georges, the Breslin. Those <laughs> that those are nothing to like snub your nose at. You know, like where did the love come from? Um, I came from kind of. I came. I started working when I was very young. In my family, you started you know working when you were like thirteen. You know, everyone's like, don't you can't be a freeloader anymore. Okay, you're thirteen now. You gotta go Where'd get you a grow job. up? Uh, I'm from Brooklyn originally. I'm from Sheepshead Bay. Yes, I'm from Sunset Park Bay Ridge. Hey, oh, Brooklyn yeah. I'm actually, I've been recently fantasizing about like moving back around there, like living in, because I have a car now, so I could live wherever and like drive to work, you know, wherever. And I was thinking it'd be nice to live like out in Coney Island, you know, and kind yeah, of get Where's back the accent school. though? Where'd the accent go? <laughs> I've been away for a long time and I spent a lot of formative years in Connecticut. Some people might make the argument I'm from Connecticut, but I, den- uh, I deny that story. <laughs> I reject so back to the love of cooking and working so since like you're cooking, 13. Yeah, so I started working very young. 
Um, and then actually here in New Orleans, I was living here in New Orleans in my early 20s, and I was went into a job I was going to apply for, you know, a server position, and I was like, you know, why don't I just apply for, to be a cook instead? I kind of always wanted to do that. Um, and at that point, I already was throwing kind of like the early iterations of Babetown, I guess, all throughout college and high school. You know, I used to throw these like queer parties where I would put out snacks and like deep fried ravioli and other things I was experimenting with chocolate uh, goat cheese and things like that and um, mm. and just kind of had a big party um, and so I love to cook and I applied for a job as a cook and I instantly fell in love I mean just the working with your hands and you're kind of telling the story and you're kind of creating this art and it's so fast-paced um, I, I can't imagine doing a job that requires you to kind of sit at a desk all day. I, I love to move around and, and be doing things. And so for me, cooking has just always been um, my, my first and my only, like, real, real love. Um, and, yeah, and then, the you know, I was came up in the restaurants. The restaurants came. I guess that's where you learn to cook is in places like John George. But those are obviously, you know, it's not a sustainable lifestyle you're always thinking about what can i do what can i actually do um, and, and what's and what's next and then the next, toxic yeah. the toxic kitchen culture of it all uh not yeah. to say that john george's has toxic culture because i haven't been in that kitchen but i've re- you know i john i have read was, you know intense uh there was a lot of places i've worked that are a lot more toxic for sure john george was like intense like it was it was like the military i would say it was like the cooking military yeah Um, and i mean for good reason for good reason like i we talk about it all the time here on the podcast about um you know kitchen culture and some of those kitchens albeit toxic and some of them yes being militant but it's you're a cog in the system and there's mm -hmm. a respect there's a level of respect there and you know you know where what you're doing and how you're doing it, but like, and you also get it, you know, because yeah, you're putting out really. such a such a precise piece of art, or you're doing something so special. But yet, like that that like that heaviness of like the you know the screaming and like the, the all the, crazy. the the craziness doesn't exist, right? Uh, I I've seen both kitchens. We've talked about it all the time here. Um, I recently was in Martha's Vineyard, and Martha's Vineyard doesn't have a, a gay bar or anything. There are pride flags everywhere, so on and so forth. And I stumbled into the only queer-owned space in Martha's Vineyard called Seaweeds. And you know what was the best part about Seaweeds besides the food, besides the cocktails, which were spectacular? It was the first time I saw an all-female-presenting uh, staff, front and back. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, I definitely, you definitely don't see that very often in kitchens. I just came off of this extremely, I'm, I'm currently, I'm currently working as a meat smoker. I moved down here for a job as the executive director of food and beverage for the Ace Hotel down here. And oh, that was fa- fancy. You know, it was a really big job. It was this really big opportunity. Um, they, I think they hired me because supposedly they wanted me to run, you know, these like four restaurants, two bars, you know, three in-room dining services programs, you know, the same way I ran my own business, Babetown. 
Um, but that's what they say. That's not what they mean. You know, what they mean is that they want to kind of like put your face on the exploitative things they're going to do, you know, to their workers. You know, they kind of want you, this person who's known for, you know, being very good and having this nice small business to be the person asking someone to work for $2 an hour um, so that someone sitting up in an office can make a quarter of a million dollars a year. Um, and that was an environment where there was absolutely no women in the kitchen. There was no women sous chefs. There was no women in management except for the pastry chef. Um, there wasn't even any women on the hotline. And I had made a comment to one of the, one of the chefs was quitting. He told me he was going to quit in July. And I was like, well, if you know any chefs who are looking for a job, you know, please send them our way. I was like, especially a woman chef. Like, wouldn't that be so nice to have like a woman chef here? He definitely did not think that. He went to HR um, and said that I had threatened to replace him with a woman. And they gave me a write-up for that. (laughs) (sighs) So these, these environments are still like, I think people think that if we're not getting sexualized in there, then it's better. But the the anti um, the anti woman like anti femme really because it it t- gets taken out on gay men just as just as badly um, sentiment that exists in kitchens um, is still I think very much alive. How uh, you know I feel like I know how it started, but at the same time I don't get how it started and how it's across the board. You can go anywhere, and it's. A lot of the times, it's just the same, and it's just like, oh, well, this is, this is just what it is, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. like, where, where did this, like, where did it start, and why, why were people like, yeah, this is just fine, this is fine, like, I, I'm allowed to put this plate in the salamander, right, which is a grill in your mouth, listeners, for you don't, <laughs> for those of you that don't know. For those of you that don't know, and take it out because I'm mad at you and hopefully give you third degree burns on your fingers, you know, as a waiter. I'm allowed to throw a bowl at you from across the kitchen. Like, what? I I mean, yeah, it's almost the explosive emotional stuff I almost uh, miss compared to the uh, manipulative, passive aggressive games that I think people play these days instead. I feel like at one point they were just like, fuck you. And now they're like, I'm going to fuck you really subtly, like behind your back, you know. You know, and listen, we, not to relive past traumas here, right? Because we, <laughs> I, I like to talk about forward movement and how to change and, and what we can do to change. And, you know, like we are the voices of change, right? Mm-hmm. This platform here gives you that platform to talk about the stories, yes, to foster change. You being being you and doing what you do, right, um, are, is fostering change, you know? And it's just like, it's, it's just really crazy. It's, it's crazy. I mean, even in this place that I'm, I'm moonlighting now a few times a week, there was a terrible toxic masculinity chef there, right? Like, when I got introduced to him first day, it was like, oh, hey, this is Michael. He, he without even looking at me, he goes, chef, and walks away. And I was like... And I literally, because I don't put up with it, I was like, oh, we doing that? 
That's what we do here? Okay. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's like, don't take yourself so seriously. That's also something I don't understand in kitchens at this point. It's like, how are you still taking yourself like this seriously? You know so what I mean? Seriously. Like, look and burgers and fries. Yeah. burgers <laughs> and fries. It's not even John <laughs> George's. This is Shake Shack. What are you doing? What are you doing? And yeah. the minute they got, the minute, uh, for I don't even know why they got rid of him, but they got rid of him. The minute, it's like, it's like um, when Toontown turned to color in Roger Rabbit, you know? All yeah, of a sudden, yeah. everybody was happy. And it's yeah. like all the line cooks had a personality all of a sudden. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, these people who never spoke to me or, like, I would say hi to now say, Hey, what's going on, Mike? What's going on, Spicy? They call me Spicy Mike for some reason. I love it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, and it's just like, whoa, whoa. Like, to see to see the change and to and yeah. just you know I don't get it but you know it's it's something that I am thankful for just seeing and talking to people like you right that and these conversations that are important like about mm-hmm. the change that needs to happen and and how it's happening albeit slowly but it is happening even even seeing that staff at seaweeds uh and they were so happy <laughs> Everybody was so happy because I fell down a hole of like in, uh, Instagram stalking everyone, mm-hmm. right? Who was like connected and like looking at the looking at some of the staff's Instagram stories, being like, when you work at a place and and they cut you, but you just still work for free because you love it so much and you want to see it thrive mm-hmm. and succeed. When yeah. you you know when you stay at work because you don't want to leave because the staff is like family, you know, when you're sad that the season's ending. I'm like, oh, this person that started this is really changing the game, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's people like you who are doing that. It's people, you know, it's just, it's really beautiful to see, you know? Yeah, the the place I'm working currently, it's like a very small, um, you know, restaurant owned by a couple, the joint. Um, And they really do just blow my mind every day with, the thing, you know, when the restaurant was closed um, because of the hurricane for two weeks, they paid the whole staff for hours that we weren't there, for the hours that we missed. Um, and to me, that's just revolutionary. Like, I remember being a 22-year-old line cook at, a, you know, these massive three Michelin-starred restaurants and a food processor broke and they, they charged us. They, like, took it out of all of our pay. That was also at an Ace Hotel. Um, but, you know, today these people are like going out of their way to take care of their staff and treat people like humans. And um, I, I do I do think that for me, that is that tiny ray of light of change. I think people just really yeah. taking care of their people, just the small businesses, you know, making that effort. Yeah, it, it, it's there. Right. There's there's cracks in the clouds of like sunshine coming through uh, <laughs> in this food industry. Right. Uh, despite, despite all the nonsense, front of house, back of house, and with the guests that we see on the daily basis. <laughs> Spe- speaking of Ray of Light, not my favorite Madonna album either. <laughs> <laughs> but I think right now is a great time, right? Just to take a break and to take Alex out to my favorite part and your favorite part of the pod in your mouth, listeners. A little something we like to call... Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Food News Update! You ain't ready, girl? Spill the tea! Italy alleges the U.S. could be sending counterfeit pasta to the U.K. (laughs) (laughs) And you must listen to Alex's face. She like completely gasped. She was mouth (laughs) agape. She was like, you know, I mean, am I surprised? Do I believe do I believe that the U.S. is allegedly sending counterfeit pasta to the U.K.? Absolutely. Allegedly. <laughs> well, it's hard to believe, but it must be true. Yeah, apparently. And thank you to Food & Wine for this article. Um, this is all because of Brexit, right? And apparently the country is being flooded with inauthentic Italian products. Mm-hmm. Apparently... Uh, Col Diretti, Italy's National Farmers Association, reported that exports of made-in-Italy products to the United Kingdom fell by 40% in the first two months following Brexit. You know, um, the products that were affected by the UK removing itself from the European Union included food, appliances, clothing, machinery, metals, and means of transport. And then they go on uh, to say that the US is like... They warned the Italy about like products with the Italian flag on it coming from the U.S. because they most likely and allegedly were counterfeit. And this is a hundred billion euro business here. Huh? Who knew? Not me. Isn't that weird? Like counterfeit, like counterfeit pasta. Did you ever think of like pasta being counterfeit? No, no, I've never thought about that. You know, I my own pasta, so I stay out. I stay out of this game. This well, no, actually, you stay very in that game because you are contributing to the counterfeit pasta game, madam. <laughs> <laughs> have you just dis- have you discovered Chef Joe Sasto on Instagram? I haven't. He's all he does is make pasta. Him and that cute face and that mustache, right? <laughs> um, he's he's stunning, um, and like I I think straight, but um, I'd still take a ride on the mustache, uh, <laughs> FYI. But um, wouldn't say no. Nope, would not say no. But his pasta creations are amazing, and he's also part of the pasta counterfeit problem. You know what? <laughs> I am going to start reporting all of you to the Italian. <laughs> So to end this, I think take you to Italy. Take a, yep, take you to take you to Italy. You know, um, I just find it. I find it so funny. Counterfeit pasta. You know, now you now you're a real badass. You know, <laughs> just like selling pasta on the black market to the UK. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously, that would be pretty badass. My little website, Black Market Alex. 
Yes, I love it. I love it. You know what? Give me 15% because I thought. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you get a cut. Um, and so to finish this out, the problem is, is that Italy now, because since Britain isn't part of the the European Union, uh, Italy can't force them or ask them to, you know, put like sanctions or like really do anything about it because like they're not connected anymore. And so that's why this is an issue and it's hurting export. And hopefully they figure this out. Obviously, we want all good things for original, authentic uh, products, so on and so forth. I don't know if we're here for it or not, but we wish Italy and the United Kingdom well. I wish them luck in this pasta journey. The new Heinz Packet Roller will get every last bit of ketchup out of a packet for you. (laughs) I never knew I needed that until now. I mean, do we actually really need a Heinz packet roller? I I don't like ketchup. Don't you know what? Me. I am I am I will have it, but I'm not. I used to be a huge ketchup kid. Like when Costco opened, uh, my mother would go buy the like the double like ginormous packs, and I would yeah. go through them. But like. Not anymore. I I'll I'll eat it. I I don't necessarily hate it, but like I don't. I'd rather have mayonnaise with my French fries or yeah. like Dijon. Yeah, I'd rather have mayo or like barbecue sauce. Yeah, like it depends. Barbecue sauce from McDonald's because I love McDonald's. I'm not even gonna front. I'm not oh. trying to be ashamed <laughs> of my love for McDonald's. That's the Brooklyn girl in you, I think. I know. <laughs> Sometimes when you're like trying to be full, but you're kind of broke and you only want to spend a dollar, what's better than some chicken McNuggets? Uh, hello, hello, boot shape all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better, McDonald's. It does. It, it it does. Like that time that me and my best friend Michael got really high, and we ordered. I went into McDonald's and ordered three 20 piece nuggets and the woman looked at me and she goes, 60, you want yeah, 60 yeah. McNuggets? You're like, yeah. Did I stutter? What's wrong with you? <laughs> 60 McNuggets, obviously. And then we made a Buffalo ranch sauce. And for some reason, when I get high, fresh cracked black pepper, re- it's really does something to my taste buds. I don't yeah. know what it is. So I kept like just grinding pepper in the sauce. <laughs> And we were like, this is so delicious. This is so delicious. And we woke up the next morning, obviously, to the mess in my kitchen. And he turns to me. He goes, Michael, we are disgusting human beings. And I go, why? And he showed me the sauce. And it was just black because oh of all the, yeah, I love the pepper. I do feel like, though, like some like freshly cracked black pepper in my fries, like really like ups. like Next level. Yeah. Next level. Like that really definitely makes them better. So yeah, uh, a I little truffle salt there. on the fries, too. You know? Yeah, a little salt and pepper, a little tossed herbs. Yeah, you could take McDonald's fries to the next level, no problem. But back to the packet roller, yeah. I have questions <laughs> now. Because A, Heinz was, there was a Heinz package shortage because of the pandemic earlier this year. Now we have the packets back. Great. And can you not just use two fingers to, like, squeeze all the all the things out? And now you have to carry around an apparatus with you to get the sauce out of the packet, even though even though the the apparatus is kind of cute because it looks like a little it looks like a little Heinz bottle 
and you just like pull the packet through oh the through the middle. That's crazy. You know? Is anything to get people to spend money? I mean, but it's only five dollars and seventy cents. Maybe it'll like if it gets people to carry around that apparatus, then maybe it can get people used to carrying around like straws, and we can all be carrying around metal straws. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe try, slow absolutely. down the whole the whole global warming. Global I warming. Mean, I mean, I don't, I don't want anybody to come after you from this podcast, right? Because uh, you were just telling a story about a hook and a turtle before. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I guess I don't seem like the most environmentally conscious person because of the fishing. <laughs> well, the fi- you know, fishing interests me. I think I'm always telling people, I my ideal government would be there would be like no government. Um, small communities would govern themselves, and a lot of us we would be like more or less responsible for growing and catching our own food. Um, so I think that's why like any kind of like self-sustaining, you know, from like home farming to fishing kind of interests me because in my ideal world, there is no like, yeah, there's no big government. There's no like mass fishing. And people eat turtle, right? I've had turtle soup, especially in New Orleans. The turtle was fine. The turtle got free (laughs) while we were like, while everyone was like trying to fuss to figure out how to get this turtle free, the turtle like freed (laughs) itself and swam off. The, the, the turtle is like, uh, I, I'm a badass bitch. I got this, y'all. You know, the, the turtle no, was. Dead. I was like in the corner, like, ah! <laughs> no one blame me for this. <laughs> oh my goodness, hysterical! Please well, don't I, my therapist bills. Well, thank you to the takeout. <laughs> dot com for this article i don't know if we're here for a heinz packet roller but if heinz wants to send me all the merch right um you can also get this for five dollars and 70 cents on their website you know what like live your best life uh packet roller or not and last but not least kiki palmer shades the 2021 met gala vegan sustainable menu have you seen this (laughs) I Have didn't seen this? see that. That's really she funny. Got- but you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, the Met Gala is, like, the Met Gala with their huge budget is still not giving the best vegan meal. And that's... Well, fucking- wait, uh, I, wait a second here, right? <laughs> first, first w- w- there's a lot to unpack, and we're going to do it quickly. First and foremost, ain't nobody going to the Met Gala to eat, all right? <laughs> not, in, not in those dresses. They are corseted, pulled, tucked taped right in every which way shape or form i'm surprised some of them can be can even sit yeah (laughs) in in some of those gowns and and dresses and costumery of it all that's first and foremost secondly marcus samuelson the great marcus samuelson right i stan marcus who did the food this year yeah oh yeah I'm, i'm sorry i'm like painfully i know i'm painfully out of touch with the met gala Right, so am I. Like I, I, I only watch the fashions, you know, the next day. Right, but yeah. he did the food, right, and so they were on the defense, being like that wasn't an accurate representation of the food. She did have, she did issue an apology afterwards, but I'm like, did she like really take a if, of the food or something? Like she did, she did take she a picture of a plate. Them? Yeah, and that's what it. That's what people on the internet were comparing it to, Firefest. Because it's like a plate with like a piece of bread and like some guacamole. They're like, this is it's literally a plate with what looks like one piece of broccoli, 
some tomato and uh, some cherry tomato and corn salad and three three cucumbers and uh, what looks like yeah. maybe a little rice. <laughs> They're just like this is what you guys eat all the time, right? To fit into these dresses. Yeah, and I mean y'all don't eat. Yeah. I, <laughs> you and me both. I would I would assume. Alex, that you have served some celebrities in your life. I have, so, I have worked at some pretty fancy places and have served and met a lot of celebrities that push the food around their plate, order all the things, and then just push it around their plate, you know? So, I like... I've served, like, you know, the Kiki Palmers. I've served, like, Steve Martin, and he ate every single bite of food on his plate. <laughs> I served you know, Will Ferrell, and, or not Will Ferrell, uh, Will Smith, um, and Will Smith is a very particular eater. He wants all of the pieces kind of deconstructed um, and given him deconstructed, but then he, he eats the whole thing. He doesn't yeah. hold that. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, um, it, it was all for charity, Kiki Palmer. And um, I actually am a Kiki Palmer stan. I really love her and I love her work and I love what uh, yeah. she does. I feel like this is a joke that just fell flat for her, right? Yeah. Um, and it's all for charity. And you know what? Shout out to you, Marcus Samuelson, for for, fee- for feeding the masses of very particular people. And with that, I think it's a great way to end Food <laughs> News Update. Hopefully that was a day brightener for you. Oh, yeah. So much fun. I'm definitely going to go Google Kiki Palmer's picture of this vegan meal. <laughs> And I'm going to defend her. Good for her. Good for you, Kiki Palmer, for calling attention to the fact that most people make a vegan meal that is not food they would eat themselves. So well, it, it sounded like there was like a black rice porcini arancini. That sounds delicious. Yeah, that does sound delightful. I want to see. Yeah. Are there is there picture proof? Yeah, I, I didn't fall down the hole. Why? Because I didn't really care that much. <laughs> but speaking about speaking about plates of food and food, I've been on a journey in talking about queer food and what makes food gay. Do you have an opinion? What makes food... You know what? It's funny because I've been asked that question so many times. Um, a lot of times, like, when people ask me that, it's about my own food. Like, would you say your food is queer? And I always feel like kind of like, yes, because when you look at plates of my food, they're very flamboyant. They're very colorful. Um, there's kind of like, I think, a very intentional sort of like whimsy and playfulness and color and texture and and mixed to it that I think is like inherently very gay. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I always I always like struggle with how to answer that question. I mean, well, is food gay at all? You is can't say gay? no. Is food gay? No. Is food? No. No. Food is neutral. Food is uh, food is neutral, right? Um, all right. Food is neutral. Okay. Like, I just is, love I people's... Think food is, if anything, food is like a universal language that I think reaches, can reach like everyone and anyone, like where, whatever state they're in. Yeah. I, um, you know, it's, it's really the journey of asking this question on this podcast is an interesting one just because... Sometimes it catches people in the sense of like, oh, yeah. And then they have a, a, they're have very stout in their definition of, yes, food is very gay, right? And then, we, yeah. and then I've had people like you who are like, eh, well, maybe. And it's more of like this food is universal answer. And I think that personally I feel that since we've been here for the, since the beginning of time 
and we've been cooking foods and we've been the mothers, the fathers, the 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 Shah people, the Shah men and women, uh, the Shah folks with an X mm-hmm. for the, for for our communities for you know like we we as queer people sometimes are blessed and not so blessed with taking care and guiding our our straight allies or non-allies sometimes and so like when it comes to food and when especially when we are the providers of that food i think i think there's an inherent queerness that is baked into that food or or did i just pull that out of my ass yeah no it's beautiful I think the dinner party is inherently extremely queer because I think that like queers, like we haven't always had like legal bars that we're allowed to go to. Um, We kind of invented the salon. The salon comes from queer, you know, illicit gatherings. Um, And I think that's sort of those sort of gatherings in people's homes and exchanging of ideas over, you know, wine and food, um, I think is kind of like a very inherently queer idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just fun to think about, and it's fun to ask. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I just love the question, and I love the conversation. You know, and on this, uh, and on the same like kind of road. You know, before we close out, I always like to ask too, what was coming out like for you? Because I think our stories are in this specific way are very, very important because we never know who's listening. Yeah. Um... I almost barely got a chance to come out. I was so gay as a little kid. I was like uh, in first grade and I was writing love notes to girls in my class. Like very, you know, very explicit. I was just like, little Sally, will you let me touch your boobs later? Yes or no? Check yes or no. (laughs) So for years, like for years and years and years, I was just like the town lesbian, you know, from the time I was an infant. And I think even just like more in adulthood, exploring my queerness was sort of me um, coming out to, you know, myself, um, and like re-coming out to the people around me because I was just such a little baby dyke from ver- from day one. <laughs> Everyone was like, you're gay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's incredible. And that's incredible to hear. And you just triggered a memory of, remember in uh, like elementary school, Valentine's Day would come along and you'd have like the boxes or you'd You'd write Valentine's to all yeah. your classmates and they'd come in those like perforated like sheets of four, you know, with like the Ninja Turtles on them or whomever on them. I remember specifically writing a Valentine to who was I wasn't even in love, like, quote unquote, in love. Like he was just like my really best friend at the time named Keith. And I wrote him a <laughs> Valentine. And I remember in the house in my house, everyone was like, you don't write Valentine's to boys. Uh. Right? And it was a very specific, like, you literally pulled this memory out of, like, the, re- I haven't thought yeah. about that in forever, you know? And, like, listen, I have a family who loves me. I'm, I'm one of the very blessed people that I have. My mom that loves me, my brother who loves me, you know? Um, and a chosen family that loves me. But, like, that specific moment of, like, no, that, no, you don't do that. That's you not don't do thing. that. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, d- I had a, a similar moment, yeah, except I was caught red-handed touching this other little girl's boobs or, like, what would eventually be her boobs. And they were like, you don't, that's, and I think I even, I knew it was wrong. Like, I knew I was going to be in trouble. Um, 
but I was like worth it because I was just such a pussy. Wrong, but oh, so right. Yeah, I know. So wrong, but so right. You know? Oh, my God. I was like, see you tomorrow, Sandy. (laughs) Out in the sandbox. Yeah. I'll be back. I'll be back for more. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love you so much. You're incredible. Tell the kids what's next. What's next for Alice Kunis? Um, yeah. Did I know, just say Alice? I said a- Alice. Yeah, Alice. Alice. Uh, you know, all sounds the same. Um, I am like sort of post my brush, my brief brush with being a big corporate food executive. Um, I'm deeply disheartened. I think by the whole, the whole thing, the whole like capitalism. I think capitalism is. It's like. It tells you, it's this American dream. It tells you if you like work really hard, um, then you're going to progress fairly in your career and it's all going to be fair. But that's not true. Like it's a system that really is built for one type of person, uh, you know, a masculine, white, you know, cis, straight men. Um, and um, I feel like just a little disheartened. So I, I feel like I've, I'm kind of in a period where I'm off the grid. You know, I'm really loving just like smoking meats and throwing my little fishing group. And um, I've had like a couple career opportunities come along and I find myself saying like, no, you know, no, thank you. I don't want that right now. Um, and so I guess the, the short answer is I, I have no idea what's next. I think for the first time in my life, I'm just, I'm not putting myself um, you know, out there in the way that I kind of always have and have always hustled. Um, but I am, I am cooking, you know, the, the food that I created at Babetown was my art, you know, that was really for me, my art, artistic medium. And I still love to cook for queers. And so I've started doing that um, very, very small, very, a very small version of that here in my home. Um, and that's been really incredible. I, I really look forward to getting into doing more of that and, um, whatever little part I can to help bring this queer community here together. That's, that's what I do. Yeah, that's what, that's what it's really all about. And sometimes, you know, um, a while ago with Dan Pelosi, we were talking about, like, you know, the burnout of it all. And, mm-hmm. like, sometimes it's a lot. And, you know, I've been going for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just, like, you have to take that moment to really, you know, listen to yourself and listen to your body and listen and listen to what the universe is telling you, really, you know, and and absorb that. And, you know, because you're I I imagine the best you comes out when you're grounded in you. Mm-hmm. You know, right? I feel like um, I've been reaching for things my whole life. Um, and for the, for once, I just want to sit down and see what comes to me, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. See, see what comes. But I also I've always written these short stories about different lovers I've had and like food that I associate with her or like a period of my career that I was in. Um, and I've been writing a lot of those. And I think that would be my number one fantasy right now would be to get to I feel like so many stories. So much of my story has like been told like through the grapevine. I'd, I'd love a chance to like tell my own um, just kind of in a series of short stories. But we'll yeah. see. I guess, yeah, if I could do anything, that would be next. I love that. I love that. And we and we definitely were blessed with getting to hear a piece of your story from, oh, thank from, you from so your much. own so lips. Nice you do. 
to uh, today, right? And it's been an honor, and I am so happy that we are finally finally connected, and that we are fam, and you're part of like my big gay, <laughs> like you know, foodie gay world, you know, housewives of real gay stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, oh my have goodness. To, you'll have to come visit me here in New Orleans and let me cook for uh, you and have you at one of my dinner parties. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And if I'm coming down, right, they call me a top in the kitchen, right? You got to let me cook every single thing for you. And then I ask people to bring me um, a kava or a funky pet net or anything sparkling or really dry. Um, That is, that's what I want. uh, I recently just had pet net, nomigusta.com. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Uh, In your mouth, listeners, you're going to have to use Google because we are out of time for that one, right? That's a whole nother journey to go down. But I definitely want that experience. We're definitely got to connect and we are definitely like BFF for E. (laughs) (laughs) Especially because we're Brooklyn sisters. Hello. Right. Listen, give all the kids all the handles, where they can find you, how they can find you, if they want to find you, if they want, listen, if they want to send their resumes in to send, to like marry you and take you to Zurich Canton. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not accepting um, uh, resumes for, for new lovers. Um, but if, yeah, if you want to follow me and my work and my food and my rants about uh, the food industry, my personal Instagram is at babe, not baby, uh, babe, not baby. Um, and yeah, and queer baiting is also on Instagram, queer underscore baiting. Amazing, amazing. Big shout out and big thanks to Alex Kunis for, you know, giving me all of her time, her wisdom, her beauty, and so much more today. What a special episode this has been. And we are back on track with the Dicons, the Celestians, <laughs> and the gay lesbians, uh, the gay liberties in your mouth, <laughs> listeners. Listen, it's, it's early in the morning and I haven't had <laughs> enough coffee yet. Apparently, out there, listen, fall is upon us. So let's, you know what? If you want to knit me a chunky scarf, I will take it and wear it. <laughs> um, don't send me pictures of your pumpkin spice lattes because I don't care. You know, don't forget to scroll down, rate, and review. And as always, thank you for listening to In Yo 